Welcome to the Rocky Valley Podcast. This is Pastor Jason Moe. We're glad you stopped in to have a listen, and we hope that this blesses you in some way. you were here a moment ago and heard the choir rehearsing, I'm sorry you're going to hear it again. (laughs) Were you there when God raised him from the tomb? Those are powerful lyrics. No, we weren't, but we should have been. We should have been. We should have been right there where we should have been. I'm excited this morning. I pray you came with a heart for worship, uh, for serving a risen God this morning. 
This next song is Something's Happening. Three 
Well, 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 good morning, church. Good morning. Oh, my goodness, they just said, I've just seen Jesus. And if you woke up this morning, I pray that you looked outside and you recognized what the Marys recognized when they got there, that the tomb was empty. And if you recognize that the tomb was empty, I pray that you came into the house of the Lord this morning with nothing on your heart and nothing in your mind but the worship of a risen Savior. And my friend, my prayer is, if you are visiting with us this morning, that you would be welcome in this house. That you would know that you are among family and that Jesus is glorified today. We're not going to do a lot of announcements. We're not going to do nothing but worship the Savior and the King of Kings this morning. We're going to go to the Lord in prayer and then we're going to sing some more worship to our Savior. Father God, God, we thank you for who you are. God, as that sinks into our minds, we recognize that who you are is a holy God who spoke everything from the dirt to the grass to the sky into existence. And that God, you created us. You looked upon us, created in your image with enough compassion That after we would sin and fall short of your glory, you would send a precious lamb. That we might be able to be reconciled to you, God. So this morning, let everything said and everything done glorify that spotless lamb, Jesus Christ. Because on that cross and in that tomb. He earned the worship that we bestowed to him this morning. So God, let us glorify you. And it is in your precious name we pray. Amen. Will you stand as we sing? Christ the Lord is risen today.
come behold to this wondrous mystery.
gets any better, I'm just going to have to spend the night tonight. 
Amen. As we continue to worship, one day when heaven was filled with his praises. Oh, I can't even read, preacher. I'm sorry. I've got, I've got a scripture reading that I put in here. <clears throat> Matthew 28, 1 through 10. Now after the Sabbath, as the first day of the week began to dawn, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake. For an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled the stone from the door and sat upon it. His countenance was like lightning, and his clothing was as white as snow. And the guards shook for fear of him and became like dead men. But the angel answered and said to the woman, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. For he is risen, as he said. Come, see the place where the Lord lay. Where the Lord lay. And go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. And indeed, he is going to be before you into Galilee. There you will see him. Behold, I have told you. So they went out quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy. And ran to bring his disciples word. And as they went to tell his disciples, behold, Jesus met them saying, rejoice. (laughs) So they came and held him. By the feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brethren to go to Galilee. And there they will see me. One day when heaven was filled with his praises. Glorious day. Amen. 
the sun where to stand in the morning and who told the ocean you can only come this far and who showed the moon where to hide till evening whose words alone can Catch a falling star Well, I know My Redeemer lives I know My Redeemer lives All of creation testifies this Life within me cries, I know my Redeemer lives. The very same God that spins things in orbit runs to the weary, the the weak and the same gentle hands that hold me when I'm broken they've conquered death to bring me victory now I Testifies this life within me cries I know my Redeemer He lives to take away my shame
you that. I appreciate there being no amens to that as well. Amen. Do you, you know, whew, I'm going to pull that out because I ain't going to look at it no more until tomorrow. So would, would you just, this is free by the way, don't time me yet. Did you know that as we were singing these songs and, and, and we were reading these texts and, and we were looking to Jesus Christ, do you know that as we gather this morning, there are poor souls that are gathered to worship something besides Jesus, but did you know that the thing that sets my Savior apart from every other being or creation or idol or person or man or writer or theologian or intelligent thing in this world, the thing that really sets my Jesus apart is not just that he died, lots of good people have died, but my friend, my Savior lives. My Savior rose again when they went to, you know what, the, the, the Mormon folk can go to the tomb where they think Joseph Smith may be laying and it's still there. My friends, the, the, the people that worship other religions can go to the place where the people that they worship are laying and they're still there. But did you know you can jump on an airplane, fly to the Middle East, walk to the tomb where Jesus was, look inside and he ain't there. And that's what makes my Savior something special. Now that was free preaching right there. Find your way to the Gospel of John, chapter 20. As we look to the resurrected Christ. The Gospel of John, chapter 20. And oh, the wonder of the cross that a sinless Savior would take my sin, stretch His arms wide across those timbers and die for me. Oh, the wonder of the cross that in just three days past, we could look upon that cross and the Savior is no longer there. Oh, the wonder of the tomb, that it could take an event as gruesome as the cross and in just three days turn it into a symbol 
of hope. And this morning as we gather on this Resurrection Sunday, I am grateful and thankful for each and every one of you that have come out to celebrate this morning the hope that is found in our resurrected Christ. So please stand if you are able in the house this morning. As we read from the Gospel of John chapter 20 beginning in verse 19. And then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in the midst and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. And then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. And so Jesus said to them again, Peace to you as the Father has sent me, I also send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. Skipping over to verse 30. And truly Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples which are not written in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. And that by believing you may have life in his name. Let us pray, Father God, even now, come into our presence and have your way with us. God, let us draw nearer to you through the study of your holy word together. God, change lives as only you can. And let all of us here receive a word from you even now. And it is in your precious holy name that we pray, Jesus. And all of God's children said, Amen. And you may be seated. Go with me, if you will, to the scene. Following the death of Jesus on the cross of Calvary and to the burial in that tomb. Remember with me the disciples that were still present. Remember with me the ladies who looked on that evening and how they stood in a state of disbelief. They couldn't understand what had just happened. For some, they had been following Jesus for three years. And they were so convinced that He was the Son of God, that He was the Messiah. He was the one who had been prophesied about. And yet suddenly, He was dead. And they were taken by surprise. Because they were sure that He was establishing His kingdom as they had followed Him. They were sure that He was the one who was coming to restore Israel to its glory and to its power. But yet, there he was on a cross. There he was being laid in a tomb. And they began to ask, what king establishes his kingdom through death? What king established his kingdom by dying? And if you look to our text in verse 19, you see that these are his disciples who have gathered themselves up and locked themselves up in a room in fear. So what were they afraid of? Well, as followers of the one who had been crucified, 
did you know they were subject to that same penalty? Because they were ones who had followed this one, and he had been killed for being a blasphemer was the crime that was levied against him. And because they followed him, they were subject to the same death penalty for what he had done. And so they hid themselves away. But now all you Bible scholars in the house, I don't have to tell you this for you to already know it. If you read through the rest of the New Testament, you will find that John, who's in this room, is going to be exiled to the island of Patmos for preaching Jesus. Preaching the resurrection. You'll find that Peter would preach Jesus on the day of Pentecost. You'll find that each of these disciples eventually will be martyred for the cause of Christ. They'll be, they'll be killed for preaching the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so I ask this question to you. What happens to change them from the fear that we see in verse 19 of John chapter 20, that they're locked away in a room afraid to come out to a place of boldness where they would be willing to die for preaching this Jesus whom they are now shut up behind doors for. And this morning, we're going to look at a few aspects of the resurrected Christ that I believe changed their lives and will change yours as well. And the first thing we're going to see this morning is the peace from the resurrected Christ. The peace from the resurrected Christ. Verse 19 says that the doors were shut up where the disciples were assembled. Now, this word for shut up, when it says this, it literally doesn't mean that the doors are closed. It's not like if we were to shut those front doors and, and turn the little key so that you can no longer open them from the outside and we just lock the doors. It's not like when you push the button on your car and your horn goes off as you walk into the store. That's not the kind of shut up we're talking about. That word literally means that they barred themselves and secured themselves inside. My friends, if I told you that the authorities were looking for you, and if they found you, they were going to kill you the way they had killed the one you were following, you might find yourselves barring up your doors pretty tight. And so that's how tightly they had them themselves locked up in this room. They didn't just shut the door and lock it. They took the key out from under the mat. They put two befores inside. It looked like they were ready for a tornado to come through. All right, they had everything barred up. They were locked up on the inside. And then look at what happens. Jesus came and stood in the midst. I'm going to let you in. On a little Greek phrasing this morning. When it says that Jesus stood in the midst, that means the same thing in the Greek that it means in the English. That means that, that Jesus was standing there where they were at. I'm standing in your midst. You're sitting in my midst. Jesus was right there with them. Now I have heard an awful lot of folks try to discount Jesus through this. They say, you know that there are some that say, well, there was a doorman or, or a janitor or someone in that place. And when Jesus came to him and, and told him who he was, he let him in the room. And that's how Jesus became to be standing in their midst. Well, that's funny. There's four different gospel writers that wrote an account of this story. And not one of them mentioned a doorman. Not one of them mentioned a janitor. And so when that was posed 
to those who would pose this argument, they say, well, the, the thing is, if his disciples wrote about the doorman letting him in, Jesus wouldn't be so supernatural and it wouldn't be such a great story. Hang on. We're talking about, just so we're together, we're talking about a Jesus that was doornail dead three days ago. I mean, he was laid down in a tomb. He wasn't breathing. They didn't even have to break his bones because they know he was already dead. Jesus was dead. He wasn't asleep. He wasn't taking a nap. He wasn't sick. He wasn't sedated. He was dead. He was laid in a tomb. And Jesus, who was dead, is now standing in their midst. Don't miss that. I don't care if he walked through the door, if they opened the door, if he took a ride on a bus. Whatever he did, he's already pretty supernatural to even be walking around and out of the grave. So I don't think that the gospel writers needed to jazz this up at all. The fact that he's alive is pretty jazzed up in my opinion. Now maybe the rest of you see dead people live every day. I don't get to witness that very often. So when I hear about it, I think that must be something special. And I don't need to jazz that story up for it to make Jesus more important. But I've even heard argument that Jesus was in the room the whole time. That he knew where the disciples were going to be and that he was there and he was hiding from them. That was 11 of them fellers in there. You think they're going to miss out on somebody with holes in their hands and feet and just not see him hiding in their midst? My friends, I... I'll make a confession to you. I don't know how he got there. Exactly. Scientifically, I can't explain it. But I don't want to. Because faithfully, I just know that he got there. I don't care how. I don't care if he fell from the ceiling, if he flew from the floor, if he walked through the door. I just know what the Bible says is that there was a bunch of fellers sitting there scared out of their mind and suddenly Jesus was in the middle of them. And that's good enough for me to know that he was in their midst. He said, well, that don't make no sense, Brother Jason. You know what else don't make no sense about this whole story of Easter? Is that a sinless lamb of God would stretch out his arms and take my sin upon his back. And that he would die, and that he would be laid in a tomb, and that he'd rise again. That don't make no sense. If you want to know what don't make no sense, I don't got to reconcile the rest of it scientifically. I've just got to reconcile the rest of it faithfully. And I believe that when my Bible says that he went from not being there to there, that Jesus was there. Well, it was a spirit, Brother Jason. It wasn't really a physical body. Oh, wait a minute. Verse 20 would say otherwise. What's it say in verse 20? It says, He showed them his hands. And his side. He showed them his hands in his side. He said, wait, I'm going to make sure that there's no doubt in your mind that I'm really here. Here, you want to see these wounds from three days ago? That's where a nail went. John, do you want to lay your hands in this? I don't want you to have any doubt that what the ladies who saw the empty tomb have come and told you is true. It's me. It's me. I'm here. But what does Jesus offer them? The resurrected Christ says to them, 
peace be with you. And what happens to them when he offers that peace in verse 20? They got glad. The word of God says they were glad. Now that word for glad literally means they rejoiced. They rejoiced. Now remember, I want you to forget. They were locked up in a room scared to death for their lives, literally. And now they're singing praises. They were quiet, shut up, and scared to death. And suddenly Jesus comes into the room and immediately they begin to rejoice. Did their circumstance change? Were they no longer wanted by the law because Jesus was there? Of course not. The authorities were looking for them the same way they would have been before Jesus got there. Nothing about their external circumstance changed and yet their response changed completely when Jesus appeared in their life and said, Peace be with you. The resurrected Christ didn't change their situation. He changed their outcome. And my friends, many of you here this morning did not come in here with a great sense of peace in your life. In fact, if you were being honest with me, you would have to say, Brother Jason, my life is a wreck. My job is a wreck. My finances are a wreck. My health is a wreck. My marriage is a wreck. I don't feel very joyous right now, Brother Jason. And quite honestly, it feels like the entire world is caving in on top of me and I don't have any way to hold it back and I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't have Peace in my life. My friend, if you came in here this morning hoping that I would be able to preach something, you'd be able to hear something, and all of a sudden the world would quit feeling like it was caving in on you and all your problems would instantly be solved, I'm afraid I'm going to have to disappoint you. But what I can offer you is a peace that passes all understanding that is offered by a resurrected Christ, that no matter what happens in your circumstances, you can have a Savior who says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. You can believe on a Savior who says, if you love Him, He works all things together for good. I can offer you the peace that's offered by a Savior that says, though you may endure persecution for a night, joy comes in the morning. I can offer you a relationship with a Savior who was there when Joseph looked at his brothers and said, what you meant for me harm, God meant for me good. I can't take away the problems and the pains that you're dealing with, but what I can give you is a Savior who will sustain you who will see you, and who will allow you to rejoice in the storms of your life. The peace from the resurrected Christ. But I'm not done yet. Second, there's a plan from the resurrected Christ. There's a plan from the resurrected Christ. Look at verse 21 with me, church. If you see it, say amen. amen. So Jesus said to them again, Peace to you as the Father has sent me, I also send you. Now if you understand what I just said, say oh me. What does Jesus mean here? What did the Father send Jesus to do? According to 1 Timothy 1.15, Christ Jesus came to this world to save sinners. That was his mission. 
to reconcile a sinful man to a holy God on a bloody cross, pay a debt that we couldn't pay. And so Jesus came to this earth to do that, and now he says, as the Father has sent me, I sent you. As I was sent here, I now send you out. Why did I say, say, oh me? Because, my friend, I don't know what attitude or thought you came in here with, but I hope you leave with the knowledge that your job is to glorify God in this world by telling others what Jesus did for you. If you've been saved, you're qualified to evangelize. If you know Jesus, not only are you qualified, but you're called to tell others about him. Not only are you called, but you are commissioned. In fact, it's called the Great Commission. To go, therefore, into the world, make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and Son of the Holy Spirit. What do you got to do before you make disciples and baptize them? You got to go. That first word right there is big. We want to skip it. I know what I'm supposed to do, but I don't know really, really want to want to do that just yet. We're called to do something with this salvation that we have received, and that's scary, isn't it? I don't know what to say, brother Jason. Well, I, I, I don't know. I don't know how to do this thing that you said I'm supposed to do. I don't know what to say. I don't know how to do it. What if they ask me a question? I don't know the answer to it. Oh my goodness! What if they do? You might have to say something crazy like, I don't know, I'll get the answer and get back with you. Do you know how many times a day my kids ask me questions I don't know the answers to? You know what my answer is? I don't know, but I'll know by this evening when you get out of school. Because Google probably knows. Don't Google the Bible though, come talk to somebody. But Jesus goes a step further. He says, I ain't going to leave you by yourself, don't worry. You just go and you just be obedient. You do what I've called you to do and quit worrying about everything you don't think you're qualified to do because I'm going to give you a helper and it's called my Holy Spirit. The third part of the Trinity is going to be with you always. He is going to go with you. He's going to do the convicting before you and He's going to enable you if you will just be obedient. Now really quickly, let's look at verse 23. I don't want us to take it out of context. I don't want anybody to leave with something that ain't there because it can be a confusing verse. It says, if you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. And if you retain the sins of any, they are retained. Now, I want to be very clear. This does not mean that anybody here has the authority or the intelligence or the ability to forgive or retain someone else's sin based on their own merit. That is not what that is teaching. In fact... There are scriptures in our Bible that are very clear that that's not what this scripture is saying. We, I, I don't possess the authority for you to come waltzing down this aisle at the end of this service and say, Jason, please forgive me for how I've sinned to God. I can't do anything for you except for direct you in how to pray to the God in whom you've offended. I don't have that authority. Your mama don't have that authority. Your blessed grandmother who ain't never missed a church service ain't got the authority to forgive a single sin. But the good news is that mean old deacon that you made so mad ain't got the authority to hold your sins because he don't like you. Here's what this scripture's saying. The Bible's not contradictory. In Mark 2 and 7 it says, Who can forgive sins but God? In Daniel 9 and 9 it says, To the Lord God belongs compassion and forgiveness. We don't have the authority unless you're God. You don't have the authority to forgive sins. Well, what does it mean, Brother Jason? Well, 
He's talking to his disciples. Now let's look at their lives as they go forward out of this room real quickly. In Acts 10 and 42, it says that Peter is preaching. He says, God ordered us to preach to the people and solemnly I testify that this is the one Jesus who has been appointed by God as the judge of the living and the dead. He's preaching about Christ. And he says, all the prophets bear witness that through his name, everyone who believes in him will receive forgiveness of sins. What Peter is saying, is that I've been commissioned, I've been called. That's what Jesus is doing back here in verse 21. I've been commissioned and called. I've been given the Holy Spirit. I've been given the power to go and preach the name of Jesus. And what I've been given the power and the authority and the commission to do is to present to you the gospel of Jesus Christ, which is the forgiveness of your sins. And all of you who will accept that Jesus, you will be forgiven your sins. And all of you that reject that Jesus, you will retain your sins. What does it mean to retain your sins? It means you've chosen to pay the penalty yourself for your sins because you've rejected the one who paid the debt for you. So what is the plan of the resurrected Christ? That we would go and preach forgiveness of sins by the grace of Jesus Christ. Now this command had a profound impact on the lives of these men. They preached the resurrected Christ and his peace and his mercy and forgiveness until their deaths. And they didn't even stop then. Church history would say that many of them, as they were being killed, continued to preach till their dying breath a resurrected Christ, knowing that every word brought them closer to him. So are you fulfilling the command of God in your life to go and to make disciples? Or are you being disobedient to what God called you to do? And finally this morning, let us look at the last two verses of this chapter. And the promise of the resurrected Christ. It says, Truly Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples which are not written in this book. What John's saying there is that when I walked with Jesus... I watched that guy do a whole lot more than I could write down in this book. If I tried to write down everything Jesus did, all the pages in all the world wouldn't hold every single time that he blessed somebody, touched somebody, or healed somebody. I couldn't write enough pages in this book to show every time that he taught somebody. I couldn't write enough pages in this book to show every time that he put his hand on a lame man that began to walk. But what does he say in verse 31 qualified what did get put in the book? He said, these things are written that you may believe. That Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. And that by believing you may have life in His name. Verse 31 of chapter 20 of the Gospel of John is what we would call the theme verse for the entire Gospel of John. This entire letter, this entire Gospel is written with this as the theme. That every single word that John wrote under the holy inspiration of the Holy Spirit, was given that we might have life by believing in Jesus Christ. That's the purpose of every single word that he wrote. And so what are the words that are written in this book as we close? This book opens up by declaring the sovereignty of Jesus in chapter 1. It establishes that he was there in the beginning of creation. It says, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word became flesh. And dwelt among men. That word was Jesus. In the beginning there was Jesus. Jesus was with God and Jesus was God. 
He was our creator. He was there at the very beginning. And then it says that Jesus put on flesh and dwelt among men. He was born. He was really physically born. And as he grew, he performed many miracles. We could flip back through this book and we could see so many miracles that Jesus performed. Healing blind men, calling dead men back from the life. Healing a centurion's son without ever even going to his house. Jesus did all kinds of miracles. He preached all kinds of sermons. And he did everything right. And yet in the end, if you look at the words that are written in this book, you'll see that he was betrayed and arrested and sentenced to die. A cruel, cruel death on an old wooden cross. This book says he was beaten. He was bruised. It says he was chastised. And he did it for our peace. It says that his arms were stretched open wide on an old cross, on a hill called Calvary. It says that for three hours he endured the wrath of God for your sins. It wasn't for his own. He didn't have any. But he took your sins for three agonizing hours. And it says at the end of that, he looked for the comfort from his father and he said, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And he died with a mighty shout to Talisthai. It's finished. My work is done. My race is run. My race is won. He was laid in a tomb. But bless God, this book also says that he rose again. That he's not in that tomb anymore. And that when he did that, he defeated death and hell. And he won the victory on your behalf. And on my behalf. John says, I wrote these things that you might believe in Jesus Christ. That you might believe in this man who was fully God yet put on flesh and became fully man and died for you. And that in believing in him, you might have life. Because there is but one name under heaven given among men. By which we can be saved. And that name is Jesus. And that at the name of Jesus. Every knee will bow. And every tongue will confess. And maybe you came in here this morning. And you don't have any peace in your life right now. Matter of fact. About 20 minutes ago, I mentioned peace, and you said, I don't have it, and you haven't heard anything else. Because you've been thinking about what you don't have in your life, and that's peace. My friend, come to the cross this morning. And lay your burden at the feet of Jesus. And walk away with a peace that passes all understanding. Come and see the empty tomb, and embrace the hope. That comes with that this morning. Maybe you're here and you say. Brother Jason I, I know that I know that I'm saved. But I haven't been obedient. 
to serve God, to go and, and tell others, to do anything with my salvation. Come this morning and lay your disobedience at the foot of the cross and say, Jesus, I give my life to you. Wherever you lead, I'll go. Whatever you say, I'll do. But finally this morning, let me just point out that not one of you is here by happenstance or circumstance. Everybody that's here is here by a divine appointment. You had an appointment with God this morning to come into his house, gather in his name, and worship him. And some of you may very well know that you've never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Maybe you've put on a good act. Maybe you've prayed some prayer. Maybe you've taught a class. I don't know what you've done. Maybe you've never even set foot in a church. This is your first time. It doesn't matter how long you've been here or how few times you've been. My friends, enough of Jesus has been preached this morning that you have all the information you need to know that he is the Christ and that he died for your sins. And the promise of the resurrected Christ is this this morning, that if you will believe in him, you will have life. But the other side of that is that the promise is this. Every knee is going to bow. And every tongue is going to confess. And the promise of the resurrected Christ is that if you don't do it on this side of eternity, you will do it on the other side of eternity on your way to an eternal punishment. And so what will you do with the resurrected Christ this morning? Will you accept him and embrace him? Or will you reject him and walk away? Let's pray. Father God, God, we come to you this morning in all that you would die while we were sinners. So undeserving, so unworthy, and yet so blessed, God. And so, God, all throughout the house this morning, there are those who are without peace. God, would you touch their souls, touch their hearts, draw them near to yourself, God, that they might have peace this morning. And God, for the one here, says, I've never accepted Jesus truly. Give them the courage and the conviction. Do what only you can. Cause them to realize that you paid it all. And help us all to realize that all to you we owe. God, you touched someone this morning. And you changed lives this morning, God. Because that is a work that only you can do. God, we will give you the glory for what you do. And it is in your precious heavenly name we pray. Amen. Thanks again for joining in. We sincerely hope that this has blessed you in some way. If you have any further questions, feel free to give us a call or check us out on the web at www.rockyvalleybaptist.org. Thank you and have a blessed day.